Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. Coming up on today's show, Rasiel Iglesias is on the IL. What the hell is going on out there? And do we have enough talent in Flowery Branch under center to dominate the division next season? And last but not least, in for the culture, I am so glad KG finally came to his senses. That's all coming up next. ATL Day Ones, let's go! This is ATL Day Ones. Part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. I want to start by saying thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast and wherever you download your podcast. Make sure that you leave us a five star review. Really appreciate that from you in advance. Today's episode of ATL Day Ones is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Excuse me. Make every moment more and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. But T, when you think about the news coming out about Rasiel Iglesias going on IL to start the season, so he's going to have it's going to be 15-day period. That he has to remain on. He got some uh, shoulder inflammation. And when you think about this pitching staff, all the thing that's been going on, we got Rasiel Iglesias we just found out about. You got Kyle Wright having issues coming in. And then also you have Michael Soroka, who had ham, a tight hamstring um, coming into uh, spring training. He got his first start in Grapefruit League just the other day. Whew, with all of this going on and the whole shortstop drama, are you concerned about the Braves getting off to a, a good start um, in, a few, in uh, less than a week now? No, I think the Braves will be just fine because you have A.J. Minter as a backup and he had a we'll go with a solid season last year. I, I don't think that there is any problem because, again, the information that we got back about the injury was that it was low grade shoulder inflammation. So for yeah. me, I kind of put the focus on the words low grade and kind of use that to tell me, hey, we can be optimistic that, that yeah, maybe Rasila Glacius will be out for a moment, but we don't really have to be concerned that this is going to be lingering. Hopefully it won't be lingering. Hopefully as well, there won't be any setbacks. Yeah. And I think that, I think that, that what gives me a little ease of mind, you know, uh, is the fact that AJ Manter is a guy that can come in for you. And, you know, also Kirby Yates as well, who has some experience from a closing standpoint, if you feel like AJ Minter can't hold it down uh, until Rossiel Iglesias get back. So the thing that I really like about, you know, these these type of situations when they come about is the fact that the Braves have answers already on their roster. Indeed. And when you talk about that depth piece, right, that Alex Anthopoulos, like, I'll find guys. Like, why is he signing this guy? Like, he always has those signings that, like, why are you signing this dude? You know what I'm saying? So it's for times like these. And I think that, like, we just named off, run off uh, two names that will be perfect fits for them to kind of stick in there and, and at least hold it down until Iglesias gets back. And I think that. That just speaks to what Alex Anthopoulos does from that forward thinking. Hey, I know I don't have an issue right now, but this may be something that may be able to help me off in the future. Indeed. Agreed. So, yeah, I, I think they'll be fine. And like you said, that's the whole purpose of building the team with depth, because in these moments you want to be confident that you have someone. And again, that's what you have on the main roster. That's who's probably going to end up on the 40-man roster. There are still some individuals down in AAA, and you know that 
Alex Anthopoulos and company are always sneaky good at finding a gem or a diamond in the rough who can surprise us the way that Spencer Strider did last year. Yeah, and I think that, you know, that's something that, whew, man, Alex Anthopoulos is really good at. And also, speaking of having plans, you know, Matt Olson was brought in because a certain person had went on to play to greener pastures with the Dodgers and, and got that money and Freddie Freeman. So, you know, we trade for him last year, T. I don't know about you, but uh, if if I if Miss Memory serves me is right, this dude is leading the Grapefruit League in home runs with 15 RBIs and batting 441. I mean, how exciting is that? That the fact that we might get a chance to see the real Matt Olson. He was solid last year. You know, he had his, his, his struggles um, um coming in. You know, being traded right before uh right before the season got started. But when you think at what look at what he's doing right now. Is this like a precursor to ask what we're going to see in the regular season? I think so, because we, he also has seven home runs. That's leading the majors as well for spring training. Yeah. And if you look at that, that would be a much greater pace than what we saw. We're talking about 34 home runs last season. So right. if in this short sample size of about six weeks, he knocked out seven out of the park, I'm more than convinced that he'll do better in the long ball category. And also he was 240. He was hitting 240 last year. He's batting 441. Now we're not expecting him to stay on pace for 441 the entire regular season this year, but that does tell me that he's trending up. He's more comfortable. And we saw that even at the end of last regular season, that he's more comfortable in his skin within the Braves organization. So yeah, I do believe that this is going to be yet another one of the bats that you can, or Brian Snicker can confidently count on to pay some dividends this upcoming season yeah i think with the shift going away and and matt Olson, yes. matt also yeah, being able to put the ball been, in different places right, and place right. that ball like he like he needs to because he hit a lot of hard balls yeah um 98 to be exact of shifting <laughs> right. every time he right. was at the plate exactly. yeah so if people were in the right place at the right time they won't be able to be that this year so i think that when you have a uh, that that thing going away, I think it's going to be something that's going to benefit Matt Olson tremendously, and obviously the Braves in the overall spectrum as well. Now, speaking of overall spectrum, we know the Atlanta Hawks are have nine games left in the season. T and when you think about what this season has been, we've talked about it a lot on this show as far as that's been, yeah. and sometimes it's been poo poo. You know, just just to be quite frank, and with them going up against. The Pacers on tomorrow night. T, what do you think as far as with the way this situation is played out? They look like they more than likely, if they just kind of just keep playing like they've been playing, which is mediocre, they'll stay in that eighth spot. What do you think the Hawks can do at coming down the stretch to kind of give somebody, yeah. anybody, mostly us and, and the fans as well, like some type of glimmer of hope that Quinn Snot can figure these guys out and be able to at least show and prove well in the playoffs. Yeah, I think you look at the schedule and it's a little bit tougher. That's the interesting part. It's tougher than the Bulls schedule. It's tougher than the Raptors schedule. But nine times out of ten, just because of head-to-head matchups, yeah, the the brave, uh, excuse me, the Hawks are probably going to stay in that eight spot no matter what, unless the Heat have this absolute meltdown and they can jump right. into the seven spot. But yeah, for the Pacers game in particular, 
that's been a split of the series so far this season. But I expect the Hawks to be able to figure that out and get a win tomorrow at home. Now, Sunday with the Grizzlies and John Morant back. Now, that's a different story. And then yes. you got to go up against the Cavs on Tuesday. So that might be a little bit of a rough, rough patch before you head to Brooklyn. But you do see in this last nine games, maybe four, five wins. So they can either do what they've always been doing this entire 27 game stretch that one feels game like the whole season. One game, one game below. Exactly. So we're, <laughs> we're either going we four and five or we're going five and four. And unfortunately, ATL day ones cannot predict that kind of future for you. But I definitely think that at least this weekend, well, we're going to see the Hogs do what the Hogs do, which is split a series. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing that I really am looking forward to. Just, I mean, just at least come out five and four, like at least one game above 500. You know, there's some yeah. there's some games that they can definitely lose, but I think that if they can just figure this bad boy out, I, I think they'll be good to go. And also, I want to see DeJounte Murray get back in this thing and kind of get involved in the situation because I, I know what he brings to the table, and I'm looking forward to him to kind of, hey, man, establish yourself a little bit more and, and, and figure this thing out because we all know what he brings to the table and how the Hawks need that. They need that. I think adding both back to the bench would be an amazing uh, feat because this is a team that we know that what their capabilities are. We're just, Indeed. We're just taking off the expectations. Like we're just taking them off <laughs> at this point. But speaking of expectations, T, if you're expecting – to make some money in the month of March, why don't you go and check out FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is the sportsbook website that you need to go to because they are the number one sportsbook in America. You guys rock with us each and every day with the number one podcast in America. Yes, ATL Day Ones is that. You know, based off of my Davis statistics. Yes, that's how we get down on this show. So why don't you ride with the number one sports book in America? And guess what? For all your new customers, they got the no sweat first bet. That's up to $1,000 in bonus bets back, you know, if you lose your first bet. So, hey, what, how can you lose? You can't lose on that. Just download the FanDuel app. It is safe, secure, and super easy to use. So you don't got to worry about all that flu gazing that's going on, getting all your information. They got it. They got it secure right there for you. You can bet on the money lines, the spread, even over-unders, like all that. They have everything you need right there. So, And you can even combine for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So make sure that you don't miss out on this no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Earlier this week, our friend to the show, Tori McElhaney, had an opportunity to catch up with Terry Fontenot. And they talked a little bit about Desmond Ritter, kind of gave a little bit of an update on QB1. And I'll quote, we've talked a lot about Desmond and how excited we are about him. I know every time we talk to him or reach out to him, he's somewhere working and that's who he is as a person. Why? Well, because Fontenot feels Ritter and Taylor Heineke maybe have a certain slate of intangibles that make them good players to build around. Now, speaking of those intangibles, Fontenot went on to say this about Desmond Ritter and Heineke. I don't care how much physical talent you have. doesn't matter. Both of those players have the intangibles. We know the way they're going to work, the way they're going to compete. But what exactly do we think that Fontenot's talking about in terms of the intangibles? 
I, I think that matters just from a, when you're building a team, so to speak, and not necessarily, hey, let's go get this superstar quarterback, regardless of how he is with guys in the locker room and all that stuff. We just bring in the talent and then we'll figure it out. I, I think more so the, the approach that, you know, Fontenot is, is coming at with this thing is the fact that, hey, we want to build a team around this guy. And then once we build a team around this guy, we want to make sure that he's able to function around those guys and be the leader that we we know that he needs to be in order for the, this team to compete in the division. Because at the end of the day, just look around the division. You got Derek Carr. He's new. He's coming in. You got Kyle Trash and Baker Mayfield down in Tampa. I'm not scared of that. And then you got C.J. Stroud more so or C.J. Stroud in Carolina. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think when you have all of those determining factors within your division, like, hey, there's no set any favorite in yeah. the division right now. That's why that's how I feel about it. So in order to be become that, I think you need to have a team and not necessarily, hey, let's go get this superstar quarterback. And, and try to figure it out after that, so I, after the fact, because I think Terry Fontenot is looking short term, thinking short term and mm -hmm. long term. Because yeah. long, in a short term, yeah, you can go out and go get a, a, a Lamar Jackson, if I can use that example. Mm -hmm. But when you think about the aspect of fixing your your issues that you've had for so long, it, up front, offensive line, defensive line, getting to the quarterback, protecting the quarterback in the past game. All of those things are factors as to why we hear Terry Fontenot speaking a different language this year, I feel. It's the fact, hey, we want to be up front. We want to solidify, we want to fortify that front. We want to make sure we go out and go get guys that can fit and be a part of what we have going on. And Matt Collins even saying, hey, I like the vibes. All of that stuff matters. I love the, the language that's coming out of Terry Fontenot's mouth this, this offseason because people wanted to refuse, they wanted to refuse to hear what the man had to say when it came to, came to Desmond Ritter. That's why I feel like we are having these conversations because if you listen to him, he said, like, from the get-go, uh, I like the consistency. And what did he mention right then and there? Hey, the guy, every time I talk to him, he's out somewhere working. All of those things matter when it comes to GMs and head coaches and our play callers, especially when that, that play caller and the coach are the same person. You know, those are the type of things that kind of give let you sleep at night to know, hey, in order to, to compete in this division, we got to have this guy doing what he needs to do on and off the field, and we have that. Now it's up to me, Terry Fondo, to doggone build around him so, hey, they can be a formidable opponent once the season gets rolling in September. Yeah, and I think the practicality of it is important as well because I suspect that Desmond Ritter isn't just working by himself. So whether that's with Drake oh, London, whether that's with Kyle Pitts or whomever, I believe, and I was having this conversation a couple days ago about the importance of giving those two, particularly KP and Ritter, the opportunity to develop some chemistry so that we can really see what Desmond Ritter is working with. You had four games last year, and essentially he didn't have any opportunity to really see how he could work with the leader in his tight end room. He didn't right. really have a chance to see, other than with Drake London, whom he'd been working with the entire season, how he was going to work with that entire pass-catching core. So I do think that above and beyond just what Fontenot said about Desmond Ritter, it kind of also speaks to, hmm, wonder who he's who else he's working with in the offseason. You know, a lot of guys like to go out to California and do some reps, if you will. A lot of them may train with the same person. A lot of them just try to connect 
in the offseason so that they can bring that to training camp, to OTAs, and ultimately to the regular season. So I do think that there's an opportunity there if they're starting to grind in that way for the Falcons to be as much of a part of the conversation about who's going to take the NFC South as anyone else. Now, interestingly enough, there was some conversation speaking of defenseless players. And we all know that's really more for the protection of the offense. But anyway, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the quarterback, <laughs> let, let's be real. These are the facts of the case. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So we saw this article on what is it? Pro football, Pro football talk. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. talked about expanding the definition of a launch for more protection of players. Now I'll just give you an idea of what it says right now. The NFL may add two words to the definition of launch in the official rule book. And those two words could result in more penalty flags being thrown, but the league is actually hoping it means fewer injuries. So right now it's illegal to launch into an opponent. And this is the exact definition who is in a defenseless posture. And currently the definition is when a player quote leaves both feet, Prior to contact, just bring forward and upward into his opponent. Now, under the rule proposed by the competition committee, it'll say, quote, leaves one or both feet prior to contact to spring forward and upward into his movement. Okay. I feel like we're really getting way too technical about this thing. And maybe if we can just focus on improving our referees' abilities on calling appropriate penalties, maybe that's the starting point as opposed to trying to regulate the game so much that you're getting down into the minutia of verbiage. Yeah, and that's like that's the problem with the NFL, right? They make things too difficult because at the end of the day, if we believe that you have – the, the safety of the players, you won't have to worry about adding letters and words to this rule to make it sure, like, hey, we're pro- look, we're protecting the players. And, and then these type of rules are the rules that the owners all, always push through. And here's why. You know, I'm, I'm going to go a little diabolical here. See, you know, you know why they probably, you know, are pushing these these rules through? Because they don't want to pay out lawsuits. You know what I'm saying? And last time I checked, mm. they still haven't paid out the one that they, uh, uh, quote, unquote, settled. So they still working on getting those payouts coming, coming, coming down the line. So I think that whatever rule or whatever uh, 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 adjustment they can make to these rules to make it seem like they're, they're uh, they are of the on the player side as far as when it comes to safety they're going to push it through and and i and i think their their motive the motivation behind it is all wrong that's why i don't feel like they'll never get it right (laughs) so i when you look at these situations you're trying to make things more difficult for these referees especially when you're talking about bang bang plays these plays are happening within seconds people yeah and milliseconds and you're asking these referees to do things that they know they can't do real time and it's always going to look be a bad look for you if you're sitting up here throwing a flag for something and then when you finally slow it down and break it down it's like uh no that didn't happen you know that was a a legal hit and i think that the more and more they add to and try to change up these rules the more and more convoluted these things become and then and then you're gonna find yourself looking at looking at a situation where like wait a minute uh is this still football yeah yeah and you'll find yourself looking at a four-hour football game because the time that it's going to take to break this down and figure out whether it was one foot 
two feet, whether or not it was a kind of a, a launching ad or whatever. It just seems like that's getting into the minutia and kind of getting away from the spirit of the game. Right. And you look at what other leagues, I'll give you Major League Baseball, for example. Now, granted, they're kind of adjusting uh, this whole rule around the pitch clock but they still instituted it for the purposes of speeding up their game and kind of keeping the pace of their game going. This is the very thing that could go in the opposite direction for the NFL. If they're not careful, it's going to extend the game and not that people really ever tap out of football, but you certainly don't want to compromise the product in that regard, if at all possible. Now, speaking of compromising a product, that's never the case when it's built bars, right? Because you always see built making strides in improving their product and what they bring to the table. And they also like to have a little fun with it too. And that is why the built March madness bracket is here. We know you may have a favorite bar, a puff. Now's your time to make that count because guess what? You can go to builtmarchmadness.com to vote for your favorite. So, you know, already I'll be voting for the cookie dough bar. I think we have established that. And if you want your favorite bar to win, then you'll be voting for that bar. You can support your team. You can support your bar. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 people 50 Lucky Locked On listeners will be able to get a free box of Bill, but it doesn't stop there. It's also a cool thing that one Locked On fan will be able to get a box of four Bill Bars for 12 months. How cool is that? So we all like the free free. That's free. Now, you got to go ahead and try Bill. And the reason you want to do that is because we know it's the best protein bar ever. Best because you get 15 grams of protein in one candy bar, 100% real chocolate. The calories have gone down. They've been able to get it down to 130 calories per bar and just four grams of sugar. So again, it's the healthiest, happiest And I say happy because when you eat it, I think you're going to be happy. It's the healthiest, happiest bar out there. Don't forget, you got to go to Built Bar, excuse me, Built March Madness. I don't want you to go to the wrong place. BuiltMarchMadness.com. First of all, come to ATL Day Ones as you always do. But as soon as you wrap up here, go to BuiltMarchMadness.com. Place your vote and maybe look at being a Built Bar eater for 12 months for free. Locked on Sports Atlanta family, listen up. I got something for you. I got a little request for you. I need you guys, if you haven't already done so, subscribe to the Locked On Sports Atlanta YouTube channel. I need you to do that. That's it. And once you subscribe, all you got to do is hit that little bell, and you'll get a notification whenever we drop this heat. We drop it every Monday through Friday. Come on now. Y'all know y'all like Y'all rocking with us. We appreciate you guys. They have already done so because we are really, really, really appreciative of what you guys have been doing for us and coming to us we love it man we absolutely love it but t this is for the culture it is an intersection between sports entertainment the culture and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about because that's just how we get down on the show today is no different how about this t now we know that you know kevin garnett has been a very outspoken player throughout his entire career and post career as well and have come up with a nice post career um, when, just as a broadcaster and just being a guy that, that just really gives good opinion. Um, so recently, um, he you know made amends with Ray Allen because for those you don't know, uh, he and Ray Allen, you know, they were on the, uh, that 2008 uh, championship team, and in 2012, Ray Allen he dipped and went to Miami and won a championship down there with LeBron them. So. You know, Kevin Garnett felt some type of way about that, and he has kind of held on to that grudge for quite some time. But, T, the thing that I love about this story is the fact that he looked at the Kobe Bryant situation and how he left us 
way too soon. Yeah. And he said to himself, he was just like, you know what? I can't let that happen. If Ray were to leave or or if KG were to leave, he said he can't go to his grave with, you know, having that that ill will towards him. And he had he felt like he had to make a change. Yeah, absolutely. You know, sometimes Jesus Shuttlesworth and the other guy have to have a come to Jesus moment, like real Jesus. <laughs> Indeed. And yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> decide on what's really important. Yeah. And it just kind of lingered on and on and on. And so many other people were dragged into it. You would hear from Kendrick Perkins from time to time. And then Paul Pierce would weigh in. I mean, it just really got ugly. And I think it was like that because Kevin Garnett toiled for 12 years in Minnesota. And yeah. other than one glorious that uh, MVP season that he had where they mm -hmm. actually got deep into the playoffs, it was really just drudgery. So yep. you get to the Celtics, they build this super team and, Ray Allen is one of the the, tr the three in the uh, triumvirate of the super team. And you're thinking, man, we did, we did it once. We can do it again. Man, we might, maybe we'll be three Peters, except you can't be because Ray Allen bolts and takes his perimeter shooting with him. Right. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's <laughs> right. So like, and, and we all know that he even won a game for Miami with that perimeter shooting. Right. Yes, he did. So that's the difficult piece I'm sure for them. And then the back and forth of, you know, Ray Allen just seems like somewhat of a loner, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I think him being over there. Unbothered. Kind of, I un like to yeah. refer to him. Yes. Yeah. Completely. Like <laughs> completely. And I think yes. being over there in his corner kind of unbothered sometimes people take that the wrong way. And yeah. I am sure somewhere in Especially all of this- Especially the type of personality that KG has. KG yeah. has, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Paul Pierce with his outspoken self, Kate Kendrick Perkins, another one, outspoken. <laughs> so yeah, when you've got those guys- Yeah, a lot. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that is why Doc Rivers is a Hall of Famer. Yes, That's indeed. why Doc Rivers dealing Amen. with all of those personalities was all that anyone should ever have to manage throughout an entire career, let alone couple seasons but anyway i do really really appreciate that because i think it's something that we all have to do in life we have yeah. to have those mea culpa moments where we realize okay number one if we even remember jarvis what we were beefing about we just need to squash it yeah and number two if we do remember let's try to talk about it let's have a conversation to see where the disconnect came so that if we reconcile in any way shape or form even at its most basic level that this issue won't be coming up again. We're not talking. We're letting it go. So, yeah, I, I like it. Thanks, KG, my favorite player. I appreciate you for that. Yeah, and the basis of it, I think, is amazing, too, because I will never forget. I will never forget when I found out that Kobe had passed away. And then because yeah. to, to be honest with you, T, like, can I, can I, can I, can I tell you something? I may have told you this before, but, like, I did not like Kobe Bryant as a player. Yeah, At most all. people, yeah, At most people didn't all. like him as a player, person, or both. <laughs> and no doubt. So, you know, but once he started to go into the post-career piece and you start seeing him being around his daughter and mm -hmm. Gigi and, and seeing the relationship, they were starting to build. And then you start seeing what he was doing with the WNBA. And I'm yes. just like, oh, no, dude. And then I end up having all girls as well. And I'm just like, Kobe, I like you. Like, I was just <laughs> starting to like you, yeah. man. Why did you have to go away? But, you know, of course, that was out of his control. But, man, it was just seemed like this dude was getting ready to – probably have a better post career than he had in his uh playing yeah. career and that's and that's the truly unfortunate part about it but shout out to kg though for kind of taking a assessing the situation doing a little self-value self-awareness and saying hey you know what i need to check myself in because 
to be up speaking to the unbothered part about Ray Allen. Ray Allen didn't have no beef. He was just like, I'm all, I'm all good, bro. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, we. Uh, I'm glad that these guys are kind of, you know, have settled this thing and, and kind of moved on because, like, I, I really, I like grown men being like acting like grown men. T, like, I'm, a, I'm on my grown man phase in my life, and I feel like I love seeing it, seeing it. Other guys kind of exude that as well. So, we definitely. Appreciate those guys for that. And we appreciate you guys for rocking with ATL Day Ones and making it your first listen every day. How about this? Locked on Sports Today should be your second listen. You can find it free on YouTube and wherever you download this podcast. So guess what, guys? And I think this is even more fitting than it was earlier on in the week when uh, I was up here trying to cuss out a doggone nine-year-old um, <laughs> at a birthday party. I'm going to make sure that you guys – Make sure, please, 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 to share love, show love, and most importantly, spread love. We'll see y'all next week. Bye.